Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. Another night to wake the bear. Oh, it's going to be a good night. I'm so looking forward to it. Oh, my gosh. We got another bear waker. We're going to be having on a, a guest tonight. He is fantastic. Man of fire, a man of God. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Uh, we've got uh, we got John Amwanchukwu going to be coming on, um, and he is amazing. Yes, and speaking of amazing, boy, did you see? Well, I, I know you saw it because I saw it with you. <laughs> two thousand mules. Oh, that gosh. was amazing. Yeah, so we did a little showing of two thousand mules. I had like a day and a half. I said, I'm going to show this at my church. I'm going to show it in uh, in our group, and mm-hmm. I sent out a text to a few friends, and 34 people showed up within a day and a half That's to right. watch it, and it was amazing. The, the The beauty of it was that people were actually seeing the the content of what took place with the, <clears throat> with the 2020 election, and they were seeing it with their own eyes and, and having to deal with the truth of it, and it was really, really powerful. That was the best one yet. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, you can go online, you can, um, you can live stream it, or you can download it, and we just want to recommend that everybody has a, a house party yes. with popcorn, and they invite all their neighbors. Yeah, it was amazing. I actually, at the end, I said, listen, you guys saw this. You saw this information, 2,000 mules. Now, can you get three to five people in the next week and, and show it at your home? And, the, and and some of the things that came out of that, I mean, it's Dinesh D'Souza's movie. You can download it from 2000mules.com. And 2000 mules is a small amount. Um, they basically were able to show um, from footage that was taking the surveillance footage of the drop boxes in the middle of the night from hours like one to four in the morning, multiple people going to multiple boxes, dropping off multiple ballots. And, and it's pretty clear they are paid political mules who are taking basically ballot trafficking. Um, and it's weird because you have like one person, they have a video of them going to a couple different ones and they, they have GPS tracking, geo-tracking of them going to 10 boxes at one in the morning and dropping off multiple ballots. Yeah. Uh, actually, the criteria they had was there had to be 10 or more boxes and they had to stop off at your friendly neighborhood nonprofit organization. NGO. And so, and and then the tracking, you think, oh, this is just a specialty. No, actually, you can buy tracking information because your app on your phone, there's a ton of apps that that track you. And Mm -hmm. you you may not know that. And so, and they sell that. So they basically said, hey, let's buy these certain cities. Let's just buy all the tracking information. They had, what, a trillion beeps or a trillion signals, pings. Yeah, and so they, they knew everybody. And then they wanted to just test it out to see if it was... If it really was uh, a hypothesis that could work, and so they found a murder that was not solved, and they they hired they bought the pings for that area, and they and they followed mm-hmm. those pings. The shooting. And, yes, and they found they got it down to five people, and then they did research on the five people, and basically they found the guy. They know, did the, the investigative work. Of yeah, and they the, sent uh, it to the police department. Yeah, yeah, and that was just to prove out their hypothesis that this method works. So when they they applied it to the election, oh. I mean, if you if you have any doubt, and I don't know why you would, but if you do have any doubt that this election was not stolen. Watch this movie because it is as clear as day. Yeah. So anyway, that was a great movie. We should get on. I don't yes. want to lose any more any time, time for yeah. our guests. So we're going to start with just a clip. Just well, to let me tell, let me say yeah. who the guest is. So this is John Amantruco. He's going to be on in just a second. He is a rising voice yes. exposing the racist ideologies of abort- of abortion and critical race theory. Um, he's an author. He's a, sp- a speaker. He's an activist. He's a graduate of North Carolina University, North Carolina State University, where he played football. I love love him already. He played football <laughs> under Chuck, Coach Chuck Amato. Uh, he received his master's degree from Liberty University in Christian Ministry, and he has been a ministry in ministry as a ministry leader for 15 years. And he led a 40-week prayer walk for life and love wow. at one of the busiest abortion clinics in Southeast in the Southeast. So John is a true Southern preacher in the style of Mar- Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He calls out the next generation to repentance and to action. And he's authored a book. Now, this is the beautiful thing. He's got a book right now he's about to release yeah. called Erased, spelled E-R-A-C-E-D, Erased. And uh, I'm going to let him tell us what that book means, but it's... It's a power. It's a potent one. And then last last week, we our topic was woe to the nation, mm-hmm. woe to the nation who calls evil good and good evil. That's right. So this is woe to the nation part two, with John <laughs> um, Amwanchukwu. 
Yes. yes. I'm just going to play a real quick clip so we can get a flavor. Because yeah. he may not have that flavor, you know, in an interview Well, he's format, on the East Coast yeah. tonight. It's like 11 o'clock right there. Uh, right now, plus, so. we're asking questions and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, let me just. I'm a black man who believes that all babies should be allowed to live. Woo! That's right. California shall wake up. My story is quite different from most uh, African-American uh, people, um, especially in the black church, you know, because oftentimes many of the messages are quite liberal. Right. But the Lord led me to a church yeah. with a preacher who was not preaching a so-called conservative gospel. He was, he, was, he was preaching the totality of God's word. <laughs> That's right. Line upon line, <laughs> precept upon precept. He would go into the word of God and start from Genesis and he'll teach all wow. the way through Revelations and he left nothing out. We had a fatherhood service, exposed the church, you know, to the black genocide and showed us how many black babies were being aborted. Well, the word is out and we know the tragic truth of abortion. We know that abortion is the leading cause of death in our country, not heart disease, not tragic accidents, not cancer, not even the coronavirus. But abortion, the word is out that the Negro population has a bull's eye on it. Instead of addressing this issue, we pass the buck and we call it a white man's issue. About 70% of the people who were outside trying to save the babies were white. But nearly 80% of the people that morning, right, that were in the clinic to have an abortion black and he's gonna tell me it's a white man's issue if abortion is the leading cause of death and it is the leading cause of death is not is not tragic accidents it's not heart disease it's not the coronavirus it's abortion if it's the leading cause of death why won't God's shepherd speak up about that issue it was sad when we saw in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, a black pastor who's pastoring the church that Dr. King used to shepherd. He turned his dream into a nightmare when he came out and said that he was a pro-choice pastor. There is no such thing as a pro-choice Christian, a pro-choice pastor, a pro-choice mama bear, and a pro-choice male bear. They ain't, ain't no such thing in the world. You stand at the doorsteps of your home and you plead the blood of Jesus over your children. Yes, I said plead the blood of Jesus over your house. Amen. 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 Yes. Wow. All right, I'm ready to go forward on the altar call. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Come to Jesus moment. That's right. So, John, are you there? Can you hear us? Yes, I'm here by the grace of God. Thank you for having me tonight. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. We're, we're very honored to have you. Yeah, I got to meet John on a group, of, a group call on Foundations of Freedom, a good friend of ours, both uh, Dave Diaz. He opened the door to our friendship, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know John even more. Uh, John, uh, we are amazed at your preaching. We're amazed at your thesis. We know you got a book coming out. Um, we're just amazed how God has raised you up as a voice. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, friend. Thank you so much for having me once again. I'm just a, a southern country preacher <laughs> born in Elizabeth City, <laughs> North Carolina. Lived in Raleigh pretty much all of my life. I reside in Wake Forest, North Carolina now. Um, I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to be able to speak truth to power in these last and evil days. We need more voices. We need more people to speak up. And God has called me, as well as, well as he's called others, you know, to be a part of that remnant that's not afraid to cry aloud and spare not. Um, I believe that we are in our finest point in this, the human experience. I believe that Christ is soon to return. Amen. But there is much work left for us to do. Um, God gave me the, the vision and the assignment of writing the book Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. And if you would like to purchase a copy of that book, you can go to 
my website. It's johnamanchukwu.com, johnamanchukwu.com, and you can purchase the book there. And, and that's common on. spelling of Amanchukwu? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you know, I wish God gave me a short name, but I, I know you guys are going to put uh, my last name in the show notes and that's right and tag me as, as well but it's a m a n c h u k w u dot com dot com john right. <laughs> john dot com but um so the summer of 2020 while uh blm and antifa were in the streets ruling by mob authority while we saw uh, liberal governors and mayors stand back and come out and shout and, ch and chant themselves, defund the police, while being at uh, one of the leading abortion clinics in the southeast. There was a father who walked up to me and said, you know, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Mm. Um, I had been going to this abortion clinic for the past 10 years with my church, Upper Room Church of God in Christ. And then I joined forces with Love Life for the past four years at that time. And just being out there that, that morning, it really didn't make sense for him to make um, that statement. Why are you uh, fighting a, a white man's issue? Because when you consider that that morning, 70% of the people outside of the clinic were white. But 85% of the people um, in the clinic that morning prepared to kill their baby was black. Hmm. But he's going to come to me and ask me why am I fighting a white man's issue, wow. which also told me that he didn't understand what he was doing, but he had drunk the Kool-Aid of critical race theory. Wow. Mm. Right? Which which is the Jim Crow era in reverse, where blacks are now trying to do to whites what was once done to them. And, you know, through CRT, through critical race theory, uh, blacks typically see themselves as always oppressed and we're always destitute. We're always in need. We're... Uh, proverbial victims and things of that nature. But I don't see myself as a victim. No. I see myself through the lenses of the scripture. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a cho chosen generation. I'm a peculiar people. Yep. I see Amen. myself the way that God sees me. And so um, God gave me to, to write the book, and it is going to release on August 1st. And so make sure you get a copy of Erased. Mm, yes, yes, get a couple copies. Get a Buy a bunch of copies and give them to friends. That's what I say. Hey, that's right. And listen, we are selling the book by the case as well. We're selling it by the case. I've already had a church uh, friend purchase five cases of the book. Come on. Listen, oh. if your pastor, if your preacher has weak knees, mm. and if they are afraid to speak up about, sometimes people call it cultural issues, but it's really spiritual issues. We're in spiritual warfare right now. That's right. Whether we like it or not, we are fighting against the prince of the air. Mm. You know, oftentimes when I go to California, uh, while being there, I'm always mesmerized with how beautiful it is. You know, the, the rolling hills, the scenic view. Uh, the weather, you know, all that good stuff. But oftentimes when I'm mesmerized and, and thinking about how beautiful it is, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, it's beautiful, but it's wicked. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's 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 corrupt. It's carnal, you know. And I, and if there, there are some pastors and preachers who are tuning in right now, and you're saying, you know, I really want to deal with this, this issue of critical race theory or abortion. I don't know how to do it. Get this book. Yeah. And this book will help you and empower you is um, biblically integrated, it's factual, it's truthful, it's confrontational. You know, you, you don't have to be the one taking a hit for saying it, just blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> and and your people will be blessed or contact me through my, my website and bring me in and I'll come alongside you and help you voice uh, these issues. Yeah, man, I'd love to have you, have you come out and speak at our church sometime, John. It's gonna be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, about the confrontational, um, you did say there's no such thing as pro-choice Christian or a pro-choice pro pastor. Would you just go into that and, and let's just hit the lie head on. Yep. Well, here's the thing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, uh, 16 through 19, it says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. All right? A proud look, 
number one, all right? Uh, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Wow. Mm. A heart that deviseth wicked, wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and run into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. It's right there. Hands that shed innocent blood. How can we be pro-choice when God is against the shedding of innocent blood? Thou shalt not murder. All right? Amen. And mm -hmm. we know these things to be true, but oftentimes pastors sit in the seat of cowardice. Mm. They are afraid, but God has called the preacher to be a watchman and not a water boy. Mm. Mm. You know, it's time for the preacher to get off the bench and stop um, straddling the fence, stop tergiversating and uh, going back and forth and hemming and hawing and playing double dutch with God's truth and holding God's truth and unrighteousness. Many of our preachers, they know what's right, but because of the pressure of the day, they are more comfortable being neutral. And I want you to know this, that even when you're neutral and you fail to speak up, you are still saying something. That's right. Nothing speaks like silence. And so you have preachers like Raphael Warnock, who is a heretic. I believe that the day that he proclaimed that he was pro-choice, God revoked his license. Yeah. You know, you can still uh, be a preacher in the pulpit down here, but be denied by God. <laughs> and I believe that Ichabod has been written upon his life <laughs> simply because he has denied God's truth knowing that he has the understanding of what God has said. You know, when God spoke to uh, Ezekiel, he told the watchman, you know, listen, if you don't preach it and say things and warn my people in the manner that I tell you to do so, then blood will be on your hands. Mm -hmm. And so we have bloody preachers who are speaking to bloody congregations. You know, if, if, if there is a mist in the pulpit, there'll be a fog in the pew. That's true. I can't take credit for that. I can't remember who said it, but whoever said it, if you're listening, you can have the credit this time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's, it's true. Um, when, the, when the pulpit fails to speak up and to talk about these issues and be clear, yep. you know, don't, don't jaw Austin the truth, mm -hmm. right? Don't don't Rick don't Rick Warren the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. The preachers should be truth tellers. We forth tell. And here's the thing: it's not our truth. It's God's truth. And the Bible says, "Buy the truth and sell it not." And it says, "Let God be true, and every man a." liar. Raphael Warnock is a liar. He's in Congress and he's he's further perverting the minds of many black people. In the words of Margaret Sanger, Negroes. Mm. He's perverting the minds of the black populace because oftentimes blacks receive their information on how they should vote from their preacher. It's a historical precedent. It's always, it's been like that and it's like that today. So if someone, if the preacher comes out and says that they're pro-choice, then the people more or less are going to be pro-choice. And you know, most Christians today don't read their Bible. Um, and so they, 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 they don't have a biblical worldview and they don't know how to engage in the issues. But I'll be the first to tell you that most blacks, you know, are uh, biblically conservative. Yep. But for some reason or another, we uh, pray one way and we vote another. Mm. Yeah, that's and the, this is the, something. Their orthodoxy, their orthodoxy, but their orthopraxy is what's messed up. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. You, you, you're so right. Yeah, I think yes, you hit so the. Here is, oh, go on. 
Oh no, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead I was just gonna in. say, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, I was it was thinking of uh, Matthew seven twenty two. You know, it says, "Many will come to me that they did we not prophesy, did we not cast out demons, did we not do all these great things in your name?" And he'll say, "Depart from me, you I who do. I never knew you. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, iniquity. Or, or lawlessness is lawlessness. the actual word. But uh, that God's law, the, the lawlessness, they're breaking God's law. Laws do not murder, do right. not shed innocent blood. And they were surprised on that day that he would say, "I don't, I don't know you." That's that's huge. Yeah, you could almost say that the um, the left's agenda was part of the seeker-sensitive church. Mm -hmm. The watering yes. down, watering down of the fire, watering down of the pure. I think that's the key is that we need pastors like you, John, and others who, who, are, who are restoring the prophetic voice to the pastorate again. Well, you know, in the Bible, the Word of God, you know, there's a phrase I learned in seminary that says, you know, the Word of God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And we are in a state mm. right now where we need the comfortable to get afflicted by the Word of God. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. So true. So now, your, true. your book exposes some primary laws, uh, primary lies about abortion and about CRT. Would you uh, share what some of the things that you want to expose in those areas are? Yes. Well, first and foremost, um, abortion and critical race theory are both steeped in racism. Mm. They all come from the poisonous soil mm. of racism. You can't look at someone just because they're white and say that they are inherently racist because of the pigment of their skin. You can't say that, right? Um, we, are, we are all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. The reality is not only can whites be racist, but blacks can be racist, you know, co contrary to popular opinion. You know, uh, Asians and Hispanics and Pacific Islanders can carry um, a heart of racism. And, you know, racism is not a color. Racism is sin. I wish people would get that. Amen. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we don't need cheap $5 terms like critical race theory to solve these problems. We have the gospel. The Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself, period. If you do that, you won't, you wouldn't need race hustlers like Jesse Jackson and Reverend Al Sharpton and the Black Lives Matters movement who pretty much is defunct right now because it's a sham. They went around uh, from state to state raising all this money, but where's the money? Where's the change for the black man yeah. or for the black woman? You know, when you go to their website now, you can't even pull it up. But two years ago, when you would go to it, you saw nothing about the, about the upward mobility of the black man. Why? Because it was founded by three women who don't want men. Three lesbians who wow. have denied the order of God. You run into a, a Romans chapter one situation with them. Mm -hmm. All right. And they've now been turned over to a reprobate mind and, and, the, and they received in themselves the due recompense. Their, their minds, their conscience have been seared with a hot iron. They're ruined. You see that that orga organization said nothing about building up the family, but they wanted to destroy the nuclear family. And critical race theory is, is the tentacles by which um, the BLM movement is governed, but it's also steeped in Marxism. Mm. All right, uh, Patrice Cullors, one of the uh, one of the founders of BLM, said she was a trained Marxist. And one of the things that they would do was go around spreading necromancy. You know, when they go out and they shout um, names like uh, George Floyd and Michael Brown and all this stuff, as they chant these names um, back and forth, they're really trying to invoke their spirit. It's ancestral worship. Yeah, it's you witchcraft. Know? And God... It's witchcraft. Yeah. It's, it's what Saul did when he went to the witch of Endor. <laughs> you know, trying to call up the spirit of Samuel. And when he calls the spirit up, Samuel says, man, look, why are you, why are you bothering me? I told you <laughs> that you were already judged and condemned by God. Leave me alone and let me rest. Mm. You know, and, and so this is the issue of critical race theory. And we see it in our schools. Our children are being taught to hate their flag. Wow but cling to anarchy. 
Wow. All right, so relinquish the flag because, you know, let's let's be honest here. People are not trying to catch buses or ships to get out of America. <laughs> That's right. Pe people are, are trying to get into uh, whatever mechanism or method they can to get into this country legally and illegally. They're trying to find a way to get in. This is not a perfect nation. We all know that. But That's it's right. the best nation from its infancy. Why? Because it was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. And so as long as America keeps God first, America will be great. Yep. But here's the problem. We're supposed to be a nation under God, but we have become a nation of little gods. Mm. Yeah. Psalm 14 and 1 says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Go ahead. Wow. Yeah. And and you going back to the, the CRT uh, stuff is that you've got basically not one dollar was spent on helping black people at all. No. <laughs> oh. oh, no. You know, and that's the thing. There's always someone who's willing to sell out the Negro. I like using that term because that's what Margaret Sanger called us. Yeah, Margaret you know, Sanger, the founder of Plan, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who believed uh, the same way that uh, Hillary Clinton believed. You know, yep. Hillary Clinton said that we were professional never do wells. Wow. Right? Uh, Joe Joe Biden has the same condescending tone towards blacks. You know, mm -hmm. if you vote for Trump, then you ain't you black. Ain't you black. know. So, you ain't you, you ain't black, so I guess I, I, I'm not a Negro. I'm not black, right? Because I didn't vote for Donald Trump, and, and I didn't vote for uh, Joe Biden, uh, rather. But here's here, here's the thing, man. Why is it that blacks have to have the color of our skin questioned when we don't want to sign up for abortion on demand? Wow. Why do I have to have the color of my skin questioned when I don't want to support perversion? You know. They, um, Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, was the worst president in the history of presidencies. Wow. He did nothing for black people. The two winners of his two terms, it was Planned Parenthood and the LGBT community. Yep. They are the winners. And he, over, he, he changed and redefined on earth what marriage is. But we still know what God believes and what God thinks. You know, just because you make a thing legal, it doesn't make it right. That's right. Wow. You know, and, with CRT, um, one of the things, you know, they've got a lot of agendas in there that are, that are uh, imposed into the curriculum. Um, I've heard it said that young children are commonly perceived as being devoid of racist inclinations or behaviors such that they often are characterized as racially innocent. Would you agree with that? Say, say that again. That that children, if you just leave a child um, without bringing up agendas like CRT, that they're they're mm -hmm. race, racially they're innocent. That they don't their inclination is not towards racism. You put a bunch of people of color, children of color, in the playground, and and pretty soon they're all playing together. Yeah. Black and white children play together with no problems. Yes, unless they're told that they're supposed to be racist. That's right. Yes. Oh, that, that is true. You know, the reality is children, they don't see all those things. You know, there's this notion of colorblindness that people push, you know, and I'm not a fan of being colorblind because I can see, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no need for me to lie <laughs> and say that I can't see a person that's white or, or, or black or, or whatever. I think that I should be color affirming. I should be able to see the color of your skin and not become prejudiced because of the color of your skin. That's good. And yeah. treat you right, regardless of the color of your skin. Yeah, celebration yes. uh, of the variety, that God loves variety. That's right. Exactly. And listen, I wouldn't trade the black experience for anything. I don't want to be Korean. 
I don't want to be a Hispanic. I don't want to be a white man. I love being a black brother. Come on. I love it. Every last <laughs> bit of it. I, I'm almost like uh, James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud. I, I, Come I, on. I, I walk like a black man. I, I talk like a black man. <laughs> I mean, this. listen, I'm, I'm not trading this for anything. And there's nothing wrong with me saying that I'm proud to be black. And there's nothing wrong with a white person saying they're proud to be white. I don't feel inferior when someone white says, you know, I'm, I'm glad that God made me white. Cool. I, I, I'm happy for you, you know. Yeah. You know, the reality has been that I enjoy the color of my skin and how God made me. You know, black doesn't crack. I don't need a tan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm doing good, man. I wouldn't trade this for anything. <laughs> that's good. You man. know, that that's a great testimony of just being thankful for how god made each of us come on dude in yourself it's and like, say, like thank you lord you know because he likes variety he does like variety you know and and we are trying to get rid of all cultures we're trying to homogenize everything right. i mean if you look at uh, even foreign countries everything's getting globalist and they're like you know and people are getting rid of those cultures well those cultures are very different and they're very special people go on vacation mm -hmm. to, to experience a different That's culture right. because there's something special because it's different and it was a you know so yeah well it's like that the child song we all learned in sunday school jesus loves the little children right yeah all That's the children right. of That's the world right. red and yellow black and white he they are precious in his sight Amen. every yes. last one of them black or white in the womb is precious in the sight of God yeah and so much yes, of the yes. left side um, in the left agenda is shame-based messaging like we're supposed to be embarrassed yes. or ashamed of what we believe in who we are intrinsically so I love that message and we celebrate <laughs> your blackness and your your ability to uh, rejoice in being a black man hallelujah right hallelujah and you think hey, about the and expression I, and I Celebrate your whiteness. I celebrate whatever <laughs> color, creed. If you're mixed with Irish or whatever it is, I don't know. I celebrate it. <laughs> amen. Amen. And that's awesome. Hey, we do have a caller. He's been on for quite a while. You want to take? Hey, John, you want to take a call? Sure. Let's take a call. All right. Let's do it. We'll see what you're comes. On, you're on okay, KSEO. I've got to take a caller now. Steve, you're on the air. Can you hear us? Yeah. Hey, I want to thank you guys. For an awesome show i love this speaker he's actually dead on with the truth and there's a black woman that i see on fox sometimes i believe her name is candace something she's a conservative black woman you know I'm candace that? owens yeah, yeah she's amazing well i would vote for her for president so <laughs> i'm i'm a white guy that would vote for a black woman for president without a second thought and has uh, her her philosophy transcends all color. I'd like to say that I have a few black, few close black men friends that I've known for years. I don't see them all the time, but when we get in touch with each other, when we cross paths, run into each other, I never go. How's it? How's it going, my friend? How 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 do you feel being black? You know, it's like nothing like that ever comes up. It's like we're just. We're brothers, you know. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're, we're we bonded. We look out for each other. They bring, they invite me to their birthdays, yeah. and so yeah. there's, they're never, they never talk about being victims ever. They're, they all have done really well for themselves. I'm not saying they're, you know, they're driving Bentleys or anything, but they're, they're, they're all successful in their own way. Wow. And there's this term. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Uh, oh yes, that I think, um, in some ways, describes the liberal left that wants to somehow glom on to black pain so that they can get mileage out of it. Um, yes, and I like you telling it the way it is. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Steve. Well, thanks, thanks for the call. Steve. Yes, thank wow. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great show. Bye. Hey, uh, John, you talked, uh, we listened to a few of your shows before we invited you on and were quite amazed. You talked about um, kind of that low-lying low, low fruit and the problem wasn't um, 
inferiority. The problem was a lack of black excellence in, in thinking. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, you know, there's this talk about white supremacy being the number one thing that blacks should be concerned about. You know, and for me, that I don't think so. You know, it's, it's not white supremacy, but it's the lack of black supremacy or black excellence. You know, when you have a president like Lyndon B. Johnson who uh, replaced the black father with a government check, four hundred dollars, mm. right? Wow. Uh, he he brought about a new uh, deal, Great Society, which which was really a sour for the next 200 years and that has worked mm. and he found a way to get black men out of the home replace him with the, with a government check and what that has done it, it has destroyed the patriarchal system in mm. the black community mm. our women represent eight percent of the black population and the men represent five percent so even when you look at that, nearly, nearly almost half of black women won't get married to a black man. Mm. Huh. And then you, when you start factoring in the number of black men who are um, underemployed, incarcerated, maybe they don't want women at all, they want a man, you know, all of these different things, you know, you, we find ourselves now in a position where more than 70% of our homes are just one parent, single single parent family homes, and no dad in the home. You know, the father, you know, provides the identity for the family, right? My last name is Amanchukwu. Hmm. You know, regardless of what um, one may say, I give the identity for my family. I teach my son, John Patrick, and John Jr., and Pamela, what it means to be an Amanchukwu. Mm -hmm. You know, their legacy is wrapped up in the identity of their name. When a woman gets married, she loses that that that, that name, and she takes on the name of her, her husband. And one of the things that we've seen today is that many of our boys are, are growing up without the identity of a father, the love of a father, the correction of a father, and the provisions of a father. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they're, they're grasping for different things to now father them. And so what ends up fathering them is rap music, the hip-hop hmm. industry. You know, you know it's, uh, and they listen to the, the rapper uh, proclaim their truth, you know, and they take on the persona of the rapper. They take on the image of the rapper and they begin to walk around angry and upset with their pants mm -hmm. hanging around their ankles, <laughs> you know, that, that down the street with no belt or anything like that. When you see that, you're looking at a child that doesn't have a father, but he's being raised by Lil Wayne, Jay-Z and all these other guys. Mm. And so that 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 is that is an issue, um, but there is a remnant. There is a group of black people out here who still display black excellence, who believe in putting on a belt, who believe, in the words of my uh, mentor Bishop Patrick Lane Wooden Senior, who believe that you know uh, instead of writing on their body, they write on paper. Mm. You know, because th the reality is, you know, there's some jobs that you're not going to be able to get, you know, if you tattoo <laughs> your, your body everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Th these things need to be considered, you know. At the end of the day, you're not going to sit at, at, at the front desk of a corporate um, organization or a Fortune 500 company and just look any kind of way, you know. And so I even want to press, press in on the message of grooming that there is a way that we ought to carry ourselves, mm. you know? Oftentimes when I go and speak, I intentionally put a suit on. Yeah. Why? Because oftentimes people don't see black men in a suit. So I put on the best custom suit that I have. I polish my shoes. I walk in with my head hung high, uh, shoulders squared. I'm walking tall because I want people to see what black excellence looks like.
Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, what we see on what we see on the news is uh, what the news reports, you know. But no, there's still some dignified and classy black people in the United States of America. <laughs> uh, John, I gotta say, bro, you uh, you wear that suit well, bro. I've seen you in a suit a couple times, <laughs> and you're uh, you're a handsome you handsome handsome brother, so. You know, Dr. King also talked about that. When they would go out to protest, yeah, he said, hey, I want you to be, you know, use clean language. I want you to dress well. I don't want you, you know. And so, yeah, he, he also saw Well, then that. that's the thing. I mean, Dr. King, um, gosh, man, he, he wouldn't let anybody come protest with him, right? Like you said, if you used any foul language, you had to be respectful. You had to dress nice. You had to, you know. I mean, I look at the protest today, and it's the, they, it's the exact opposite of Dr. King's dream. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, it really is. You know, um, we have turned his dream into a nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there, there's, there's, so, there's so many people who have bought into the soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm -hmm. And they want to reduce the bar and the standard for black people as a means of making it easy for us to obtain what whites and Hispanics and Asians can obtain. And I think that that's a shame. That's a travesty. You know, um, I, I, I believe in equality, that we're all created equal. But I know that uh, equity is the woke modern day, modern day tone for equality. Yeah. They, they want to uh, change the playing field and level the playing field by reducing the standard for That's one right. and raising it for the next. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be done like that. You know, I don't, I don't support tokenism. I don't support those things. Uh, but I do believe that we need to get back to focusing on equality rather than equity. Well, yeah, I think even our, our wonderful caller who called in, Steve, about mentioning voting for a black woman, yeah, if she's qualified, and you know what, Candace Owens, it kicks butt. That woman is qualified to be a speaker and to lead a people. She's a she's a great leader, and whether she's black or white or or a woman or you know doesn't matter. But it's just beautiful. You know, she's she's on fire and she's qualified. That's what the key is the. The, the dignity of a meritocracy where those I don't have to put, I don't have to put other people down to raise myself up I can raise myself up and and by uh, we used to do this and you played ball John you know my coach used to say we, we want to play a, a, against the best teams we can and we want to compete against them because we know if we can compete against them we'll one day beat them if we just you know and so it's 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 all of us pushing each other higher and doing better and doing better you don't need to push others down to put to, to, to raise yourself up yeah and that's a little bit in contrast to what happened with our latest nomination in the Supreme Court oh isn't my gosh. it oh. in that that was not a meritocracy was it it was actually the very opposite of that it, it, it was listen they cheapened the value of her nomination yep by coming out and saying that we that we want to appoint a black woman. Never has that been done before. Why is it that when you have to put a black woman up there, you have to say that in order to do it? He reduced the nomination. He cheapened it. All right. It, it lost its value by doing that. And then when she she's uh, she gets nominated and she can't even tell you what a woman is. <laughs> Yeah. Right? She, oh. said, she said, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not a uh, biologist, all right? <laughs> you know, and then you ask her, when does, when does life start? You know what I mean? When does life begin? She doesn't know the answer to that. You know, she says that when she rules, you know, she sets aside, sets aside her religion. You know, I believe that she is Christian. And here's the thing. If you set aside your Christian beliefs to rule on the bench, you are taking on another doctrine as well. And the doctrine that many are ruling mm. by is Marxism. Mm. It's socialism. It's liberalism. And so, yeah, it sounds nice. Uh, when I rule on the bench, I set aside my religious belief. Oh, but you're taking upon yourself secular humanism. Mm. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, you're taking upon yourself these godless and woke ideologies to rule and govern by so much so you can't answer a simple question of what a woman is my son 
John Jr. He's five. You know, I have three Johns in my house. <laughs> First John, second John, and third, third John. John. Don't try this at home. It's divinely inspired. <laughs> Solid but, but but don't try it. <laughs> don't try it at home. So my five year my five year old son, you know, he hasn't been to Harvard like Kataji Brown Jackson. You know, he hasn't um, become a court judge or been nominated to the Supreme Court or anything like that. He hasn't even reached kindergarten. <laughs> the guy, one Sunday morning, draws a picture of a woman. Okay? I don't know why he did this, but he's five, so just bear with the guy. He's, he's under construction, right? I'm still working on him. And when he drew this picture of a, uh, of a woman, in the mind of my five-year-old son, John Jr., women have long hair. I'm sure you all can agree with that, all right? And then also, when he drew this woman, he, he made sure that this woman had long eyelashes. The woman had kind eyes. And then he drew a big smile on her face, you know? So according to my five-year-old son, <laughs> women have big smiles. And then he drew these, he drew six circles on her stomach. Like, those were abs, all right? <laughs> <laughs> American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I, this was a, a bodybuilder lady. I don't know. But this is my five-year-old son. Bear with me. Uh, so he, he, he did that as well. And then he drew uh, her, her breast. And... Uh, he didn't spare any ink when he did that. <laughs> All right. And so uh, in, in the mind of my five-year-old son, you know what I mean? He can draw all of these things about a woman. But when you ask Katanji Brown Jack Jackson, what is a woman? She can't tell you anything. Yeah, that's... And my five-year-old son can draw a picture, a nice picture of what a woman looks like and that's that's romans one right there thinking themselves to be wise they became fools and they exchanged the glory of god for men and beasts and animals and says that god gave them over to a reprobate mind they can't even tell between a, a woman and a man hey uh, real quick oh this you, is so true do you think that there is a little bit of racism when they say hey we want this person in because they are black or a woman do you think that there is an underlying, a little bit of it, even though they want it to better the reflect, that, yeah, yeah, that the reflect, population. But well, just the fact that they think uh, they need an extra help, so let's get them in, yeah. so we can prove to people. Uh, or do you think there is or not? I, I'm I asking because I don't know, it's but like it just seems down. like it. It's it looks like it's a yeah. It looks like you think so low that you have to like give a quota, yeah. like you know, uh, hey, if they get two thirds of the score, they passed. But but you know, for the the white person or the Asian, we'll say you know they have to have the highest score to pass because yeah. you know. What what do you think about that? Is there any, that's you know, and that would be I on the left, it but it's a racism. form of racism. Yeah, yeah it, it it all depends on why the person wants it. Um, there there's there's some people who don't think that there should be black representation anywhere, mm. and I am vehemently against that. Yeah, that's oh, that's, yeah. that's racism also. That's racism also, you know what I mean? Then there's some people that believe that there should be no representation of white people in said institutions or organizations, right? Mm -hmm. But here's, here, here's, here, here's the thing. It's nothing wrong with wanting to see someone who looks like you on the Supreme Court, all right? But there's something wrong with the mindset that... They have to be on there by hook and by crook, mm -hmm. by reducing the standards, by having a quota. You know, I, I, I do believe that representation matters and seeing someone that looks like you matters. But what trumps color is values for me. Yeah. Man. All right, because I could have someone on the Supreme Court that looks like me, but they don't uphold the same values that I have. Mm. All right, so you, you have uh, Clarence Thomas, a black man. He's on the Supreme Court. He's been on there for, for, for decades. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. The left doesn't like 
Clarence Thomas. Because he's conservative. He's, yeah. he's a constitutionalist. Exactly. He's a constitutionalist and he's a conservative and he doesn't see things the way that they do. So he's not, quote unquote, a real black man. Yeah, that's it. Right. So therefore, we need to put someone on the Supreme Court, not based upon how wise they are, but on how woke they are. Yeah, that's good. Hey, John, we got a few and minutes. That's when it becomes racism. Yeah, that, that's when it becomes racism. OK, so we got a few minutes left. One of the things that we have a caller. I want to take one more call and I want to just um, point out that you you've are advocate for what the scripture says. I mean, we don't want to talk about just the problems. We want to talk about the answer. And I think we've talked about the answer a bit, a little bit. The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Chronicles 714 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I think we are really, we have been going through an almost, I think our nation has gone through a near death experience in those last two years, as well as the globe going through a major, major pandemic. And I really do believe that the answer to all the problems, all of them, in our culture, every single last one of them is the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the answer to these things. And so we like to, you know, we like to always end our show on a positive note, but we got like three minutes left. Do we have time to take one more caller before we go? Uh, just one call. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, Bill, you got about a minute. Got a minute, Bill. Go for it. Okay, good. Well, uh, I'd like to say that I'm a very, a very big fan of black people. They only are 13% of the population, but they are influences our whole society. Now, uh, first of all, I hope you'll value my opinion. Uh, Donald Trump is a traitor, he's a racist, and he's not a Christian. But let me ask your, let me ask your hostess one question. Trump once said that I've done more for blacks than any other president. I think he forgot about Lincoln. But could you give me, a, could, the, could the host or somebody give me an example of what Donald Trump did more for any, than any other president ever did for black people? What is it? How about our guest, actually? Yeah, uh, John, you want to go with that? Yeah, well, when you look at, yeah, when you look at the economy under President Trump, the um, the black unemployment rate was at an all time low. Yeah, I think that's doing something for black people. Uh, president Trump was the uh, the first president to go to the March for Life. You know, nine hundred black people die every day in this country through abortion. I think that's doing something for black people. He even went as far to meet with some rappers to put, to get, to put together a plan, right, to help empower and uplift the black community, the black community through economic development. President Joe Biden wouldn't do that. And so when you when you look at his his record now, there were times where he said things that he shouldn't have said. Um, sometimes he probably should have, you know, refrained from typing and went to sleep, you know, get some rest. But at the end of the day, uh, black people fared better under him than, than many of our uh, preceding uh, presidents, especially Barack Obama. Yeah. yeah, and he even got awards from Jesse Jackson uh, for for outstanding efforts for to, the black community. To I empower mean, I, the black community. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was hanging out with all of those guys back. So, then. hey, great question, Bill. Yep. Thanks for calling. We we are running to the very last few minutes, few a minute of our time. Hey, thank you, John. Everybody, buy John's book, Erased. Uh, we'll have the notes up. And uh, thanks for joining us tonight, friend. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. God bless you. And uh, let's keep waking the bear. Bye, John. Bye, audience. Bye-bye. <laughs> this has been Wake the Bear Radio.